If you're looking for ways to prioritize your health and fitness, run more efficiently, understand food, and somehow fit it all into a fun and family-centered life, you're in the right place. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Thanks for joining us today on another episode of the Real Life Runners podcast. We are your hosts, Angie and Kevin Brown. Hey, everybody. Hi, Kev. Hey, today we've got a great topic. Today's topic is running shoes. Yay! I know uh, it's a topic you love. I Yeah, I'm a little nervous on this one because I'm, I could just talk for three, four hours on this topic. So let's try and make sure that I stay on point here. <laughs> yeah, this, don't worry. This episode <laughs> will not last three or four hours. <laughs> We have to go pick up our kids soon. So anyway, um, I mean, one of the reasons we decided to have an episode on this is, you know, this is one of the most common questions that we get asked. You know, as soon as someone finds out that we're runners or that we're coaches, it's one of the first questions people ask is about running shoes. Yeah, I've talked to so many of your friends where they, they come up to me and they're like, all right, so you run. I got a question about my shoes. Yeah, like, I, mean, I don't know how many conversations have started with that phrase. Right? I mean, do you remember that one night we had like a group of people over here and like that's one of the biggest topics of conversation that we had that night? Like yes. we were all... <laughs> And then people kept pulling off to the side for like individual analysis of their feet. (laughs) That was so funny. And um, I mean, I still have like some of the moms are like, oh yeah, I got these shoes after Kevin told me these are the shoes that I was, I should have gotten that night and I love them. And you know, I mean, I've been selling running shoes for a long time. I haven't done it in in years, but I started selling running shoes when I was what 18 years old and and I sold them for like a decade. So Mm -hmm. I've, I've, have a lot of shoe knowledge. Yeah, I've you know got, the world of running shoes. And I got thousands of miles on my own legs. So Yeah, that helps too. Yeah. Okay, so let's start off by just talking about the different types of running shoes. Okay, so there's two major categories. There's your neutral running shoes and your stability running shoes. Mm-hmm. And what's the difference between them? It depends on how your foot moves when it hits the ground. So okay. a neutral running shoe lets your foot do what it wants to do. Somewhat. Somewhat. And and a stability running shoe has this extra support on the inside so that when you land and you take a step, your feet don't go crashing to the inside. So when you say the inside, you mean like the arch of the foot. Right. So, so the stability shoes offer more arch support than neutral shoes. Right. Stability shoes try and keep your foot from crashing to the inside and make you actually run in a straight line. I, I wear stability shoes. If I just run, if I run barefoot or if I run in like a, a very minimal shoe that my my heat my arches are basically sitting on the ground and my knees come banging into each other it's it's not a comfortable move right so the stability shoe um, has like posts that builds up the arch of the foot so that when your arch collapses like the arch of your foot collapses there's some support there to, to prevent it from just completely falling flat Right. And other people have a strong enough foot that their arch actually supports itself. My arch needs extra stability. Well, apparently I have a very strong foot because I have a neutral shoe. Yes, you wear a neutral <laughs> shoe. Um, you didn't. You wore terrible running shoes to begin your running experience. Yeah, we already but, talked about that a little bit in the last episode. But uh, now that you're actually in running shoes, yes, you have, you have strong feet and you support your arch nicely. I do not. If I stand in like dress shoes all day long, my feet are killing me because mm-hmm. I need that extra support underneath my arch which is why we put orthotics in your dress shoes which yeah 
It, yes. It's why there's thousands of dollars in the orthotic industry out there. Right. As right. long as you get an appropriate running shoe, you probably don't need to stick something into inside of your running shoes. Most likely not. Okay, so that's kind of the difference between neutral shoes and stability shoes. Um, and there's also other kinds of shoes on the market today. All right, so we've got the, the barefoot running movement that started a few years ago. Well, it started a long time ago and then came back again a few years ago, and it led to super minimal shoes, mm-hmm. running as though you're barefoot. Right. And it, it works. And even people that got into minimal shoes will admit that it's hard to wear those shoes constantly. Right. You have to, they, they tend to go with a combination of a neutral and a minimal shoe, depending on what they're doing. So who are minimalist shoes right for? Because, I mean, really, not everyone should be running in minimalist shoes. No. Minimalist shoes are best for someone who could wear a neutral shoe in the first place. So their arch supports itself. And um, they're probably running a, a shorter distance also. And it's helpful if you're kind of running at a quicker cadence because then you don't hurt your heel while you're in a minimal shoe. Right. So I think that, um, you know, minimalist shoes can be good for some people because there's a lot of people out there that don't like the feel of cushioning under their foot. They want their foot to be closer to the ground. They want to kind of feel their foot more or, you know, feel the the ground underneath them. I fall into that category. I like to feel the ground underneath me. So I wear a stability shoe that feels responsive the way that it, it reacts with the ground. It, it guides my foot in the right direction without overpowering it and just steering for me. Okay. So minimalist shoes just let your foot do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like a, a piece of rubber under your foot with mm-hmm. some straps over the top that hold it on. Right. It's pretty much, it keeps your foot from getting dusty is pretty much what it does. Right. So, But there are definitely some warnings that I think we should kind of talk about if we're going to talk about minimalist shoes of kind of, you know, uh, the right way to, if you want to transition into more of a minimalist shoe, um, know that it is a transition. Like you should not just go from running in a stability shoe or a neutral shoe and just jump into a minimalist shoe because you heard that barefoot running was, you know, more, the more natural way to go. Right. In in a lot of minimalist shoes, they come with a little book on the inside that talks about how to transition. Do they really? And I mean, these are the companies that are trying to get you to put on the minimalist shoes. Mm-hmm. And even they suggest to continue wearing your other shoes and right. start with a, a few minutes at the end of your run. Right. And then, you know, go back into your normal shoes and mm-hmm. then stretch a few minutes into like 10 minutes. Exactly. And if you're if you really kind of need support, but you're trying the minimalist shoes just to see how it works, then even go every other day, try and slowly start adding the minimalist shoe to you. Right. So that's the biggest key is breaking into them, like allowing your body to slowly adapt. You don't want to just throw on a pair of minimalist shoes and go out for a three mile run or a five mile run because I mean, your, your feet are most likely going to hit the ground differently in a minimalist shoe versus um, one of the, you know, more supportive shoes that you have been wearing. So you have to kind of transition right into like less of a heel strike. I mean, some people don't um, have a very strong heel strike naturally, and those people would be more suited for like a minimalist shoe. But if you have a very strong heel strike, there's a big transition that your body has to go into in order to just even attempt a minimalist shoe. Otherwise, you're just going to end up with 
knee pain or hip pain or all sorts of pain. Yeah, all sorts of stuff. A bruised heel is, is I think, where I would end up with. Ouch. But you also have, like, if you're the kind of person whose running program, whose running routine has slow, relaxed days and some speed days, maybe even do stuff on track, the track would be a great place for a minimalist shoe because you're already going faster, mm -hmm. so you're less likely to land hard and land on your heel. Yeah. Which I think transitions us nicely into racing shoes. Racing shoes. That would be the next category of running shoes. So even within racing shoes, there are neutral and there are stability shoes. I didn't know there was stability racing shoes. My shoe is a stability racing shoe. I did know that. <laughs> <laughs> that's why my shoe has the word like, has the letter S somewhere oh, in the title okay. of that's it. That's right. No, I, did, a, I do remember that now. stability shoe. And, uh... It, they're great. There's not as much stability as a general trainer. And so for someone who needs stability but wants to have that like minimalist feel that they can really feel the ground underneath them, stability racing shoes are your way to go. Okay. You're going to burn through them faster, but if you like the feel and that's your that's your deal, that's your that's where you should go with. Okay, so why would you have a racing shoe as compared to just a regular trainer? It's lighter. It's closer to the ground, so it feels a lot more responsive. The the what they call the heel to toe drop is usually less, so okay. that you it, it really it encourages you to get yourself up on your toes, and getting up on your toes makes you move so much faster. Is kind of I mean that's the overall concept behind racing shoes. Plus, when you strap on your racing shoes, you're gonna go fast because you're strapping on the racing shoes. Because you feel like a stronger. Yeah. That's why mine are like fluorescent blue and orange. Like those are not my favorite colors, but when you strap on the fluorescent blue and orange shoes, you're not going to go out and jog because that's not going to look you good. You better run fast <laughs> if you're wearing a pair of those. <laughs> I mean, that was like my first, uh, my first running store boss. He's got a picture of himself up in the store wearing bright pink shoes. Ooh. I'm like, dude, you got bright pink shoes on in there. And he goes, first off, this was my time in the race. And secondly, those shoes were really comfortable. Yeah, exactly. But, but like you said, they also force you to like run a little bit faster almost like mentally. You're like, you strap them on. You're like, yeah, I got this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's part of, you know, if you have a lucky singlet or whatever it is, when you know you put on your racing gear, you're going to go fast. It's all a mind frame. Yeah. All right. So there's also trail shoes out there. What do we know about trail shoes? Trail shoes barely existed when I started selling shoes in what the late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. And they came in because it people are like, no, 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 it's a trail shoe. When you're doing rugged off-road stuff, you really need a trail shoe. The companies basically took their normal uh, neutral and stability shoe they made the, the rubber grip on the bottom a little bit thicker, and they put them in, like, brown and gray colors. Okay. So they're not that much different from a regular running shoe is what you're saying? Not so much. Okay. I mean, I, I ran plenty of hill courses and and a lot of time on, on, you know, technical trails. Not crazy technical that you have to stop and walk. If you're doing that, if you're on such a technical trail that you need to be stopping and getting over giant rocks and boulders and stuff, get a hiking boot. If you're running on yeah, a trail that you're allowed to actually, like, run on, you can probably do it in a normal training. Shoe. Okay, but what about like all of these ultra athletes now that do typically run on more rugged terrain? Like some of them, these races, ultra races are like through the mountains and stuff. 
So if, if you're always off and you're on these very, you know, rugged surfaces, lots of stuff where you could slip, lots of rocks, then having a greater grip on the bottom does serve a little bit more of a purpose. Okay. Okay. Like there were definitely some trails that I ran on when I was back in high school in like a normal training shoe that I'm thinking, okay, maybe if there was a little bit more grip, I could turn that corner faster. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, if I needed to turn a corner fast and I thought, well, I'm going to slip in these shoes, I would slow down and turn the corner a little bit slower. Yeah. And I mean, we're, we're offering this opinion also knowing that like neither one of us has ever run an ultra. So if you're an ultra runner and you have a strong opinion on, you know, what kind of shoes you like, let us know, send us a message now, the one ultra runner i know likes the minimalist shoes but he could only do them in his shorter quote-unquote shorter races <laughs> once he got over uh what do you say 40 miles his feet just started feeling tired okay so then he started wearing a more like neutral or stability then, shoe then he just went into a neutral shoe because it had the extra cushioning underneath it okay because he goes i just couldn't handle it once i made it to 40 like yeah. oh once you got to 40 that was too much <laughs> All right, so that's kind of what we want to say about trail shoes. There's also motion control shoes, which are like super stability shoes. Yeah, these are stability shoes. They tend to have a little extra weight, a little extra bulk to them. They're heavy. Yeah, they're they're just heavy. Um, these are designed for people who need the support. Their feet are, are definitely crashing to the inside, and they're a bit of a larger runner. That's really, I mean, that's kind of what right, they're designed for. They have for. a... A higher body weight and a larger frame as a runner. We'll say it that way. Yeah. So basically, most people should not be in a motion control shoe. Like, these are shoes made for very specific people. Right. And, I mean, there's there's not a huge amount of them out on the market. So if you need one, you probably are only getting into it because you went to a specialty running store that said that looked at you and said, well, looking at your feet and your general build, go into these. Right. And, and this is going to be the best thing for you. Yeah. Like if the, you weigh under 150 pounds, you should never be in a motion controlled shoe pretty much. No, it's going to feel like a boot strapped to you and it's not going to flex right. underneath you. I mean, we're talking about people that are probably over 200 pounds that have poor foot support right i mean i put plenty of people into this and as soon as you put it on their foot especially if they came in in like a terrible running shoe that they never should have been in the first place you put this on their foot and they weigh over 200 pounds they're flexing it they're like oh my god this feels amazing it's like running on a cloud and it does as long as it's the perfect shoe for you it's not the perfect shoe for everybody but if it's your shoe you need a motion control shoe and it's going to be awesome all right, so one last thing I wanted to touch on is um, the, like, ultra foam, like the high foam, like the Hoka's, um, that kind of running shoes. What, what kind of category would that be in? All right, so it's the opposite of a minimalist shoe. Right. Everything went towards barefoot running, and it lasted for a little while, and as it's done for decades, the pendulum swung back, and it swung all the way the other direction. And people are like, no, 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 it's not a minimalist. That's not going to work for you. You need maximum cushioning underneath the maximum. bottom of your foot. Okay. So it's this super cushion. Most of them are neutral. Um, there's a few stability shoes out there, but even the, st the maximum cushion stability shoes have just a little stability. They're mainly built to have this super giant amount of, of poof and cushion underneath your foot. Okay. So it's really, you know, people that just really like that feeling of like almost like they're running on a cloud essentially they just really want to feel that cushion they do not want to feel the road underneath them at all yeah i i've 
spent just a little bit of time in one. I didn't get to run very much in it, but I've had it on my foot and it feels, to me, it feels weird because I like to feel the ground underneath me. But I know plenty of people who run very fast in super... uh, super cushioning shoes. So, you know, if that's your shoe and you can, you can still definitely get up and move in it, it's not going to hinder you from being able to run fast. Absolutely not. Yeah. So these max cushioning shoes can actually even be really good for people that have foot problems. Like we, a friend of ours, um, was a professional runner and she was having all sorts of issues with her feet and, um, like neuromas and other things and issues in her feet. And, um, she actually, once she started running in the super cushioning shoes, she was actually able to run again with no pain and it was able to extend her professional running career. Right. It also had plenty of width through the forefoot, which is one of the biggest complaints people have is making sure that the forefoot is wide enough and not squeezing the toes together. Okay, cool. So that kind of wraps up, um, the different types of running shoes that are available. Now, How do we find the right kind for us? All right. So there's the very old school method of the wet foot test. Old school? It's old school. Like since I can remember getting runner's world back when I like started running at like age 13, Mm -hmm. when they would describe running shoes on the first page, they're like, get your feet wet and then stand on a piece of paper and step off of it and see what shape your feet make on the wet piece of paper. Right. And then they would give you the various diagrams that you could compare your foot to and and let you know how good your arch is and what kind of shoe you should buy, right? Right. Can you only see your your forefoot and your heel and there's like a space between? Is there like a thin line connecting your toes to your heel? Or does it look like you're standing there already wearing (laughs) shoes? Like those were the options. Right. Right. So... How accurate is the wet foot test, Kev? The wet foot test, I mean, it works for for some people, but for it doesn't people. it doesn't show at all what your foot looks like when you're running. Right. And last I checked, um, when you're running is what you're trying to get a running shoe for. Right. So people um, basically, when you look at the different types of feet that people have, um, some people might be grossed out by this because they don't like feet. But you know, I as a physical therapist, I mean, this is part of what I do is I look at people's feet and try to figure out ways to make them feel better. So um, typically, you know, you, there's the arch that goes from your toe to your heel. And some people have a high arch, some people have like more of a neutral arch. And then some people have what flat feet essentially. Um, and you know, depending on the strength of your arch, that can somewhat determine what, what type of, um, running shoe you go in. But like Kevin said, you know, that doesn't always reflect what your foot does while you're running. Right. I mean, there's a friend of ours who stand, if he stands still in no shoes, his arch is completely sitting on the ground. Mm -hmm. But as soon as he starts moving, as his foot actively goes, it, the arch supports itself Mm -hmm. and stays propped up nicely like it's supposed to. Right. So, and then there's other people that have like a good arch if you look at it, but then as soon as they start running, that arch just completely collapses. Well, yeah. I mean, running, if you're standing, you support your weight. When you're running, you're supporting, what is it, like five times your weight? Yeah, five to seven. So your arch is required to do a heck of a lot more. So usually you see people that have, can 
visibly have a strong arch, but as soon as they start moving, it collapses underneath them. Mm -hmm. And then there are some rare exceptions that go the other direction. That They look like they have flat feet, but in movement, it's actually supported. Right. And that's kind of how my mom's feet are. Like when you look at my mom's foot, it looks flatter. But then when you watch her walk, you notice that like her arch actually stays well supported and doesn't collapse at all. Right. I think so much time in flip-flops and barefoot is the is the flat arch, but she has strong feet. Right. I mean, well, then when you're barefoot, a lot of times that helps to strengthen your intrinsic foot muscles to help support that arch better. Right. Okay. So if the wet foot test isn't really that accurate, then how do we actually find the right shoe for us? Well, I think the biggest recommendation is find your closest specialty running shoe store. Mm-hmm. They know what they've been doing. You you go inside and you look for the person that looks like they've been running forever. <laughs> they know what shoe to put you in mm-hmm. because they've probably worn 20, 30 different shoes. They've, they've been doing this for a while. They know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you go into the specialty running stores, um, you know, a lot of times they'll, they'll check you out. They'll watch you walk. They'll watch you run. Um, and some of them now even have the treadmill gait analysis well they where they have a treadmill set up in the store and they'll actually videotape you and watch you run in order to kind of have a better idea of what your foot does during your running gait right when uh when i first started going we would just take people and bring them out on the sidewalk right outside the store and they'd look at you especially the first time they would come in they'd be like really we're we're going outside and you know you put like running shoes on them from the back of the store, brand new, totally clean, put them on and say, okay, come on out on the sidewalk. They'd be like, am I going to have to buy these shoes? No, no, no. You're going to be fine. Just put them on, come out on the sidewalk. Let's see what you look like in a pair of running shoes. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the key too, is like having a store that allows you to try them on and then actually run in them and see how they feel on your feet. Right. So when you go to a running shoe store, you kind of have to expect that you're going to buy a shoe that might not be immaculately clean because a few people should have run in that shoe already. Mm -hmm. Not a lot. They've gone up and down the sidewalk, but it's probably been on somebody else's foot. I remember I'd been selling for a while and uh, someone got their shoe and they had tried on, I don't know, six, seven different pairs. And they're like, this one, these shoes are amazing. Can I get a new one? Like, no. Because those are the shoes that are amazing. You know, the shoe companies, all the shoes come out and they're, they're perfectly identical. But every once in a while you catch one with a funky seam or something like that. Mm-hmm. And my boss looked at me and they're like, um, no, you want the ones that are currently on your feet. Because if we go to the back and get a brand new pair, I'm still going to make you take them, put them on your feet and go out and run on the sidewalk before I sell them to you. Well, that seems so silly too. Because like, I mean, you're going to go out and run on them anyway. So if there's a tiny little bit of like a mark on them. I mean, what's the big deal? They wanted a new pair. They wanted a pair that they knew had not been on anybody else's feet. Uh, Whatever. (laughs) All right. So, um, so that's kind of the best way. So try on a couple different, um, kinds of running shoes and see what feels better on your foot and make sure that you run in them, um, before you buy them. You know, I I think I've done this even at Dick's, like, you know, like a, um, a big, you know, uh, one, of, one of the big box shoes, like, big box stores. Yeah. Yeah. You go running like, up and down the aisle, like, all right, stand down there and make sure no one's coming out of the aisle because I'm going up and down this aisle. Some a people of times. look at me like I'm such like, like I'm so strange. It's hilarious, but I'll just run up and down because sometimes I just think it's fun to go on and try on different running shoes to see how it feels on my foot. It's a lot of fun to go try on different running shoes. We're nerds. <laughs> well, also one of the good ones. It's uh, and I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. Put two different shoes 
sun. Put yeah. one on your left and one on your right. That way you can see as you run along which one feels better. Totally. Because once you're in the correct type of shoe, you're really just looking for which one feels the best on your foot. Mm-hmm. And that's that kind of goes along with what we were going to talk about as far as what brand to buy. You know, people are like, oh, I like Nikes or I like Asics or I like Brooks or whatnot. Like f- find the shoe that feels the best on your foot. Like a lot of times I know when I'm due for a new running shoes, if I do go to like a bigger box store, I'll put on my shoe, which I love running in the Nike Pegasus, and I'll put on my shoe on one foot, and then I'll put on, you know, one, something else like a Brooks Ghost or something like that, another neutral shoe on the other foot to see how they compare. And, I mean, I haven't strayed from my Nikes in quite a long time. Yeah, I mean, I've been in my pair of Mizuno for year upon year upon year, and every time they get a new model, I just go for the next one, and it, it works out fine. But it's nice to to go back and try other brands just to make sure that it fits correct for you, that it feels feels the best underneath you. Mm-hmm. As long as you're in, you know, stability or neutral or whatever you're supposed to be in, get the shoe that feels right. And if they all feel the same, then and only once you're in the right shoe and it feels the same between, you know, whichever two brands are on your feet, then you get to choose based off of looks. Right. Um okay, so last thing I think we should touch on is how long do running shoes last? So the, How frequently should we change our running shoes? The general running shoe rule is somewhere between three and 500 miles, which is a big, big range mm-hmm. because it depends on how hard you are on your shoes. Right. It depends on how much you weigh. It depends on how hard you land on your heel versus forefoot. It depends on if you're on sidewalk or street or dirt. Or a it, treadmill. Or a treadmill. If you go on a treadmill for miles upon miles, the bottom of your shoe will look almost perfect. Mm-hmm. But the shoe itself has issues. So one way to check and see how dead your shoe is, is to squeeze the foam back by the heel and see if it actually still compresses. Because over time, the foam literally just gets tightened and tightened and tightened. Picture like a, the kitchen sponge that you've been using for too long, mm-hmm. that the sponge doesn't quite look spongy enough. Mm-hmm. The same exact thing happens to your shoes. So if you pinch the, the foam in the back, it should compress and then spring back. It should compress and spring back. Okay. And then the other thing you can notice too is if you look at the, the foam on the sides, there's like those little lines. They're almost like wrinkles in, in the foam that you can see that sh- they're showing you that the foam is starting to break down. Yeah. Those lines weren't there on the original shoe. So mm-hmm. any any lines you have, any like X marks along the foam on the side, those used to show up. I think they redid the foam over the past few years because you don't get the like hash marks in there as much. Mm-hmm. But you get this horizontal line that you can see that the foam is compressing on itself. That's that's a sign that you're you're coming up against the life of that shoe. Right. You're lacking that the hydration of the foam. It's kind of like our, you know, us, you know, as we age, <laughs> we get wrinkles yes. and it's because we don't have the same elasticity and spring back in our skin as, as we would like. Yeah. So it's a, sad. It's exactly the same <laughs> with, with the poofy cushion of the running shoe. Okay. You want it to spring back so that it actually feels soft and, and cushiony underneath your foot. Okay. So, um, three to 500 miles. I mean, Someone was like, oh, do you have to actually track your miles? And and I do. I mean, I, I have an app on my phone that just tracks my runs and I just plug in which shoes I'm wearing. And so then it just tracks how many miles I have on those shoes. So that's a nice, easy way that I do it. Um, you could also just kind of average out how many miles you run per week approximately. So if you go out and run three miles, four days a week, you run about 12 miles, you, you know, you multiply and divide and figure out kind of how long your shoe should last. 
Right. If you're running 10 miles a week, you need a new pair of shoes every year. If you're running 20 miles a week, you need a pair, new pair of shoes every six months. There you go. Thanks for breaking it down like that. I've done this since I was 18. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. All right, Kev. So any final thoughts on the topic of shoes, finding the right shoe? Yes, I got one on, on social etiquette. You should go to a specialty running store to get your running shoes. Go in there, let them do their job. Let them help you. Like the first out. time you're fitted, you mean? Yeah. I mean, you need to go and figure out what kind of shoe you need and, and listen to them. Let them advise you. Go through all sorts of shoes. But once you're sitting there surrounded by all of the shoe boxes, don't also be the jerk sitting there on your phone trying to find this on Amazon for $20 cheaper than they're selling it in the store. Mm -hmm. That's not cool. Yeah. Get your shoe from the specialty running store. Next time... At least that first time. Yeah. They've they've spent all this time. They've put all this effort forth. And yes, they're trying to make sure you're in the best shoe, but it's also a business. Support that business. Right. And they're all small businesses, they're too. They're all small businesses. You know, so you're, you're supporting your local small business. Like, they're out there trying to make this world and this running community a better place. Um, you know, yeah, you could maybe find it, you know, 20 bucks cheaper on Amazon or other websites, but like... $20, you just, I mean, you probably spent at least a half an hour in this running store, you know, using their time, using their knowledge, their resources, you know, at least buy the shoes from them, at least the first time around. Right. And then after that, we also have a bit of advice for you. There is a, an amazing website out there called Shoe Kicker that helps you sort through all of the online shoe stores yeah. and figure out what is the cheapest way to get your shoe. Yeah, that website is amazing when you found that one. Like you basically go in, you put in um, the brand, you know, male or female and your size and it'll search ver like a handful of websites, you know, and tell you which website you can find the cheapest um, shoe. And it will help you. It'll say, do you want the newest version? Do you want last year's version? Do you want any version? It's, it's a, good, a good resource and will help you save a little, little bit of money. Right. So if you need to save money on your running shoes, use that for your next pair of running shoes. But, <laughs> but get the first pair from the shoe store that helped you find that, that shoe for you. Yes. Yes, of course. All right, cool. So that's pretty much what we've got today. If you guys want a little bit more guidance on um, which running shoe to buy, we've actually put together a little running shoe guide with like a video and things um, and like as a resource for you to try to determine if you're in the right kind of running shoe for you and kind of help to guide you along uh, which path might or, you know, which shoe might be right for you. It also has lists of all sorts of sh examples from different brands as to which shoes go into which category. So once you know which category you're in, hey, here's some good ones to try. So if you head over to the website, realliferunners.com, on that page, you will see the running shoe guide. And it's got the videos, it's got the, the picture to download so you can follow along exactly which shoe you're in and, and good examples to work with. Awesome. So head on over to the website and pick up that resource and uh, we will catch you next week. Have an awesome week. Bye.